offering plate as well as it comes around. We have a few announcements before we start our service. Um, First of all, thank you for your prayers and your support for our Youth Reach Week mission time this past week. We had a very busy and wonderful week of ministry. You would be super proud of our young people. We had about 17, 18 people involved throughout the week in different times, and we serve Monday uh, through Friday. And just to give a, a quick summary, there was some wonderful ups and some downs, and I think that's what missions is, and the attitudes and the hearts and the intention and the motives of the group was great the whole time. We were able to go out on the street in downtown Richmond, visit with homeless, and share lunches and prayer requests, and God had many divine appointments set for our young people there. We had a time where we supported our VBS by walking around to every house in the neighborhood and handing out flyers. Some of you may have seen those flyers on your mailbox and wonder how that happened. Uh, we went to a campground and uh, did kids' ministry. We did a dinner for the doorways and served hospital patients and families and then had a devotion and prayer with them and visit with them as we shared that meal. We went to Caritas headquarters and helped serve down at their headquarters on Commerce Street. And then we went to the Healing Place, which is a uh, substance abuse uh, center for, for men. So we had a wonderful week of ministry. A lot of times we put our, our young people in some uncomfortable situations, and I think God does great things when we do that. So praise God for all he did this week, and thank you for your support. Also, um, wanted to remind, is, is Judy making an announcement in this service for VBS, or is it just me? Just me. All right, I'll sell VBS to you. VBS starts tonight, 615 uh, to 8.30. And we are excited about our week together. It's the great treasure hunt, and it, it goes through Thursday night. So just remember, 6.15 to uh, 8.30 each night, starting now till Thursday. And adults, we have an adult, adult VBS for you if you're not involved in another capacity that goes from 6.30 to 8. And you can enjoy the front and the back end of Bible school as well. So keep that in prayer. Pray that uh, our children are blessed and reached uh, by uh, the love of Christ. Um, I think that's all I have. Are you ready, Sandra? Yeah. All right, Sandra's going to come up and share about Christmas in August, which is my favorite time of the year. All right. She's got her iPad, so she's ready. I have my, good morning, uh, I have my helper with me today, um, David and Janice's granddaughter Avery is here, so I've been uh, looking to round up some children, so I found uh, Avery and she was willing to help me make this announcement and make me be more comfortable. <laughs> but anyway, um, Dwight mentioned that Christmas in August is his favorite time of year, it's also mine, and um, the Christmas in August missionary this year is Kathy Britton from Pueblo, Colorado, which is Dwight's home state. <laughs> and the gift list will be printed this week in the Touchstone. Uh, and we'll, the boxes will be up next week in the vestibule and in the Family Life Center. And um, so, of course, we'll be collecting gifts the whole month of August. Um, in addition to the school supplies that we're going to that are needed. Uh, the missionary also mentors at an elementary school, and she leads a sports ministry at two mobile home parks. So one of the, um, one of the other gifts that we're collecting is gifts, gift cards from Walmart that she will use to buy balls and sports equipment. But Avery is here with the angel bell. Can ring the bell, Avery? And um, she's going to show you some of the things that we're collecting, some of the s simple things. The, um, the pack of crowns. Uh, I was in Walmart yesterday, and Walmart is having a great sale right now. Um, crowns, if you get the name brand, are 50 cents a box. Uh, the generic are a quarter a box, which is very, very affordable. And uh, she's only collecting the 24 count of crowns for that. That's the size that she needs for that, or the quantity. And then... Um, can you hold up the scissors and the eraser? 
These are the scissors that they're collecting. They're safety blade scissors for the children. Okay. Hold that one up really high. Okay, how long has it been since y'all have seen those old pink erasers that I and probably most of you used in school? You don't see them much anymore, those big pink erasers. So that's another thing. And hold up the gift cards. I mean the index cards. And there's some index cards. But these are just a few of the things. Um, you, like I said, you'll see the whole list um, in the touchstone. Uh, we got a letter. There was a letter that we got from one of our uh, Christmas and August missionaries last year um, from the Appalachian, Virginia, or the Appalachian states. And she wrote in her letter when she was thanking people, um, she said, because of Christmas and August, Children were able to learn without the embarrassment of having no school supplies. So can you imagine not even having uh, crayons or pencils and being embarrassed at school because you didn't have school supplies? But Christmas in August helps provide those. And they were also, um, they were also encouraged to attend school without dread. So just think about how much a box of crayons, and you'll see the complete list again, um, you know, means to these children uh, where Kathy Britton is in Colorado and we can be praying for her or when you see her name this week throughout the month. So our littlest missionaries who are the admission friends and then the GAs and the RAs, we look forward uh, to your support of Christmas in August again this year. Every year, I mean, y'all are very generous with the gifts when we mail all these boxes that we collect. And Dwight asked me how long have we been doing Christmas in August? I think, uh, I don't know about our church, I mean, I know it's been, it's been happening as long as we've been merged 40 years ago, but I think it first started in the 1930s. Um, Peggy might correct me if, I, <laughs> if I'm wrong about that. But anyway, um, thank you, and thank Avery. Avery is a, a rising sixth grader, and I was glad she was here today to help uh, with the announcement and show you some of the stuff. You can keep ringing. Thank you. message. At this time, I'm going to invite you as a congregation to join the choir as we sing the call to worship together. It's printed in your bulletin, Worthy of Worship. We're going to sing it through twice. The first time, Linda will accompany us on the piano, and the second time, we'll sing it a cappella. You may remain seated. I'm going to ask the choir to stand. Worthy of Worship. about for our invocation. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we are gathered together, and we welcome you and your spirit in this place. May you guide and direct our hearts and lead us into a full understanding of uh, your love and your truth and your joy. So God, we pray this day that as we celebrate together the family of God, the relationships we have in one another, that we might be that much more drawn to you, Jesus. And as we share about witnessing, may we be people who are uh, called into your story. May we be people who uh, serve as uh, people who go into our community with our neighbors and in places that we may be uncomfortable and to share the love of Christ with those in need. So, God, we give you this service. We pray that you 
uh, take it and are glorified in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I now invite you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 361. We have heard the joyful sound. Let's stand together as we sing hymn number 361. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward is the Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on. turn with us to page 491 in your hymnal for our responsive reading, and uh, it's in the middle on the same page as Shine, Jesus, Shine, for those of you who are still getting familiar with our new hymnals. So 491, I will do the uh, worship leader part, and uh, you all will participate as guided. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness but we'll have the light of life. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact expression of his nature, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. In the same way, Let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The Lord will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your radiance. Amen. Please take your hymnal again, and let's turn to hymn number 310, Blessed Be the Name. Hymn 310, let's stand as we sing together. Blessed be the name 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the bounty and blessings of our lives. We ask that you take these tithes and offerings to magnify and glorify your kingdom here in the town of Mechanicsville and to the ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
wanted to let you all know that uh, Carlton Pritchett passed away uh, yesterday evening uh, around uh, a little after 8 o'clock last night. I don't know any details or arrangements. My assumption would be uh, that there will be a memorial service here later in the week. Uh, so we will try to keep you posted and uh, check the newspaper, if you will. Um, but we will let you know the best we can what's going on. So please pray for Doris and the rest of the family as they uh, deal with this loss of Carlton. He had been ill for quite some time, and uh, we certainly are grieved uh, over his passing. So I wanted to share that with you before we go into our time of prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> A gracious and eternal God, as we bow before you today, we give thanks for the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ and for the opportunity that we have to share that message with others. We're thankful, Father, for Christmas in August and for the opportunity to participate in helping others gain the supplies that they need for learning and education in another part of this country. For, Father, as we send these items, we do so because of our love for you first. And as that love is manifested in others. Help us, Father, to seek out ways to share your love. To witness on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved us enough to die so that we could have life. Forgive us for our sins Help us, Father, to confess who we are before you as we seek to move forward in the name of Christ. We are grateful for our times together. We're thankful, Father, that we can come together this week in vacation Bible school and study your word. We pray, Father, that you will send children. We're thankful, Father, that as we share the stories of the scripture, that lives can be transformed and changed. We pray for each person who will come, for each teacher who will teach, and for each person who is in a support role. We thank you, Father, for them, for their willingness to give of their time and their talents. We pray, Father, that as we gather this week, that we will be willing to share Jesus. For in Jesus we find our hope and our resting place. We pray, Father, for Doris this morning and the rest of the family as they deal with the loss of Carlton. We thank you for what Carlton has meant to this church through the years, and we certainly will miss him and grieve this loss. And yet, Father, we know that by his faith, he is ever present with you. And for this we give thanks and this is certainly where our hope rests. We pray, Father, for the others who are grieving. We know, Father, that you can bring comfort and assurance and hope. And so we give them to you. For those who are dealing with illness in the hospital and at home, we pray, Father, that you will work and minister to them, give them patience as you work out your plan in their lives. Help us all, Father, to submit to your will as we serve you. As we pray, Father, we pray that you will hear our prayers as you have promised to hear. And we pray, Father, in such a way with a humbleness of heart. Asking, Father, that you use us as your vessels in the world. We're thankful for our missionaries around the world. We pray, Father, that as they serve, that they might know that we are serving alongside them because of our prayers and our gifts. They have a story to tell. And we pray, Father, that we can help them tell that story. We're grateful for our freedom. And we pray, Father, for our nation and for its leaders. We pray for wisdom. We pray, Father, for encouragement. We pray for peace in the world. But as we pray, Father, 
We pray again that your will would be done. Bless us, Father, as we continue our time together. Help us to always rely on you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. taken off the month of August? Yes. Yeah, that's normally your custom, so we will hear from them again in September. Uh, but certainly we will have special music each Sunday as we gather. Our scripture reading this morning is found in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. A familiar story. 
uh, that we want to look at this morning under the heading, The Art of Witnessing Conversation. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit And truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. A little boy returned home after Sunday school class, and his mother asked, Who was your teacher? And the little boy answered, I don't remember her name, but she must have been Jesus' grandmother because she didn't talk about anyone else. Does our conversation reflect our love for Jesus? Would our words give away a relationship with him? A newspaper story told of an expert on the art of conversation who said that conversation is a dying art. He said that electronic entertainment such as television, videos, radio, cell phones, and computers are filling the time that we used to spend talking to one another. But perhaps the chief reason the conversation is dying is that we are poor listeners. And we are poor listeners because we are not very interested in other people. But in order to be a witness for Christ... We must express interest in other people. Today we approach the art of conversation not primarily as a means of entertainment but as a means of witnessing about Jesus. Since Jesus is our example, we will study his conversation in this familiar story to most everyone in this room with a Samaritan woman who came to Jacob's well to draw water. Like the conversation with Nicodemus, this part of the encounter is described in the form of a dialogue with three exchanges. In the former instance, Nicodemus took the initiative in John chapter 3 because he had come to raise a sensitive issue with Jesus. 
Whereas in this case, God, Jesus guided the discussion because he was the Jewish intruder into hostile Samaria. Jesus was sitting by well resting, but allowed witnessing to interfere with his rest. He not only used his rest time, but also skipped his next meal to witness to a larger group as more and more doors were open to him. Jesus, even as he was resting, met a need because the need presented itself to him. If we are to be witnesses for Christ, we too must seek out people in need and observe that need and help them understand this living water that Jesus speaks of. The distance being covered by Jesus on foot explains why he was wearied. With his journey upon reaching the well in the heat of high noon, Jesus was tired and we find him sitting by the well. Jewish time was reckoned from sunrise to sunset. Thus about the sixth hour would be near 12 noon. A most suggestive reference for the drama about to begin. In the first century, women were accustomed to fetch water in the cool of the early morning and evening, never at midday. Was the woman whom Jesus encountered so disreputable that she sought to avoid the crowds and gathered around the well at other hours? Was she so embarrassed about her station in life and the way that she lived that in order to draw water, she came at a time when she would not encounter anyone and in that process she found Jesus? There are people just like this woman in the world today. All around us who are ashamed of their past, embarrassed by their situation, who need to hear a word from the Savior. Let's look at what Jesus did as he approached this woman in conversation. First, Jesus initiated the conversation. In initiating the conversation with the Samaritan woman, Jesus combined simplicity with shock. Jesus was sitting by the well with no vessel for drawing water. When the woman came to the well with a water jar, he asked her for a drink. At first sight, this appears to have been a quite natural suggestion since he was hot, tired, and thirsty, as well as temporarily without the assistance of his disciples who had gone away into the city nearby to buy food. It might seem to us an ordinary courtesy that this woman would offer him a drink. It might seem to us that ordinary courtesy would dictate an affirmative response to this appeal for help. This sounds simple enough, but we know even in our own country there was a time that water was segregated. And we see that to be the case here. That sounds simple enough, but it was a shocking thing for a Jewish man to ask a Samaritan woman for water. Jews refused to share food and water vessels with Samaritans for fear of ritual contamination. Jews would not drink from a cup that Samaritan lips had touched. Besides, a Jewish man would not even speak to any woman in in a public place, much less a Samaritan woman. So the conversation began with more shock than simplicity. I'm sure that this woman was taken aback by this Jewish man reclining by the well who had encountered her and conversed with her. And yet sometimes shock and surprise is the way we can approach people in the right time. A young man said to three Christian friends visiting in his home, I can't get over the shock. I just can't get over you guys going to all the trouble to come out here to talk to me tonight. Sometimes people need to know that someone cares. Jesus cares. And it's our responsibility to let people know that Jesus loves you. Don't be afraid to initiate a conversation about Jesus. There will be some surprises. A man got on a plane and initiated a conversation with a man, 
about becoming a Christian. After he talked for a few moments, he introduced himself by saying, I'm a deacon in First Baptist Church, Lake Charles, Louisiana. The other man said, well, isn't that interesting? And extended his hand warmly and said, I'm Harold Graves, president of the Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary in San Francisco. They both enjoyed telling that story years and years later because they would have never known who one another was had they not initiated conversation. Sometimes people need to know that someone cares. Plan ways in advance to begin conversations with people. Plan for the Holy Spirit to give you opportunities and lead you to the best possible beginning. The second thing that Jesus did, Jesus kept the conversation, conversation interesting and understandable. A pastor listened to a lawyer witnessing to a parole officer. He used their mutuality as a basis for some of his illustrations. A pastor had a veterinarian as a visiting partner with him and a dog barked at them as they approached the house. The vet knew the dog's name because the dog had been to his animal clinic. This helped to begin the conversation with the owner of the dog. You naturally make conversation flow if you are interested in the other person. That happens quite a bit. If you're walking in your neighborhood and you see someone walking their dog and you initiate a conversation about their dog, you have a friend because they're interested in knowing that you are interested in them. So often as it is here, it is the nature of human beings to withhold, but it is always the nature of God to give. If only the woman knew who Jesus was, that he was an agent of heavenly generosity and not of Jewish narrowness, she would have asked him instead of being asked by him and he would have given her instead of having been refused by her and the water that he provided her would be living or flowing in endless supply rather than only one drink such as she could provide from the well. As was the case with Nicodemus, the woman at first refused to explore the spiritual implications of Jesus' symbolic language because of its difficulties at the physical and literal level. She knew that Jacob's well was fed by an underground spring, which she assumed Jesus was referring to as living water, but this source lay at the bottom of the well or shaft that was deep. How could Jesus get to that living water? Far below, since he had nothing to draw with. Just as Nicodemus had questioned whether Jesus could provide a new birth to one who was old because of the difficulty of returning to the womb, so the woman was dubious of his ability to provide living water from the well because it was deep and he had nothing with which to draw. You see, we always find ways of limiting God in our lives, don't we? We put God in a particular box that we have designed for Him and we don't let Him out. And if things seem impossible to us, then we think they're impossible with God. But the Scripture is very clear. What seems impossible to us is always possible with God. The Samaritan woman did not at first understand Jesus' symbolic language about living water. He proceeded to tell her about drinking water that would quench her deepest thirst forever. She used Jesus' own previous words by saying, Give me this water. Of course, she still did not understand his symbols fully, but she was now eager for the conversation to continue because Jesus had offered her something that she knew not of, and yet she wanted. The third thing that Jesus did was Jesus made the conversation relational. Jesus' interest in the woman led him to become more personal in the conversation. Jesus was not trying to chalk up a decision. He desired to help this disappointed, disillusioned woman find new life. He said, go call your husband to come here. 
Jesus abruptly instructed her to call her husband. The motive for this request is not indicated. Some suppose that he was trying to overcome her self-centeredness by reminding her of her obligations to others. On this view, go call your husband means don't you want your family to share in the discovery of living water? Others, however, hold that Jesus already knew of her sexual failures and was trying to expose the problem in her life of unresolved guilt. On this view, his instructions were designed to breach her defenses and prompt a confession of sin from her. Suddenly confronted with the claim which God's gift placed upon her, the woman sought to sidestep the issue by an evasive reply. She said, I have no husband. As we shall see, in one sense her answer was technically correct. Since she had been married to many husbands. But this does not alter the likelihood that she was deliberately attempting to be deceptive. In her immature ethic, truth was determined more by accuracy of words than by integrity of motive. The woman's negative evasion had exposed the deeper truth that her domestic life was in shambles. After all, she had come to the well at a time when no one else should be there. In the middle of the day, why did she come then? She came because she did not want to be embarrassed and she did not want to see anybody. She knew her life was in shambles. And Jesus was the one who could show her the way. If the woman was first embarrassed by the suggestion, the compassion of Jesus reassured her this was no mere man. He was not trying to exploit her, abuse her, or selfishly use her. He was trying to help her. When the woman said she had no husband, Jesus showed complete understanding, but also reminded her that he knew a lot about her life and was still interested in helping her. And isn't that the way Jesus is in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? The fourth thing that Jesus did was that Jesus did not allow the conversation to become a religious argument. He was not there to debate religion. He was there to offer life. The woman recognized that Jesus was leading into a conversation about her spiritual life and she reminded him that she had a different religion. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, but our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Whereas the woman defined the problems of the present on the basis of traditional practices in the past, Jesus answered in terms of the promised potentialities of the future. He said the hour is coming. The worship of the new age would not be limited by any geographical center, whether this mountain or in Jerusalem, but would be universal in scope. This does not mean that Jesus gave sweeping endorsement to religion in general, whether it, wherever it might be found. He knew that many people, including Samaritans, sought to worship that which they did not clearly know, whereas his own people did worship on the basis of a unique revelation of God given to Israel in its long history. We know what God said. I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God. He revealed himself through his people. They knew who God is. Jesus has symbolized his freedom from prejudice on the Jewish side by offering to drink from a Samaritan bucket. Now the woman was invited to overcome her Samaritan prejudices by acknowledging that her salvation could come from him, a Jew. Almost every witnessing conversation at some point takes this turn. You see, I am Catholic and you are Protestant, so therefore we worship differently. We have nothing in common. Jesus did not compromise by endorsing her religion or criticize the Jews for their prejudice. He told her that worship was not limited to some geographical center, but worship is directed toward God. 
who is spirit. And those who worship Him anywhere must do so in spirit and in truth. Whether the woman's reference to the Messiah was an effort at evasion or delay, we do not know. Jesus used it for the most significant word in the entire conversation. She said, I know Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. He said to her, I who speak to you am he. The Spirit of God gives boldness to follow through a witnessing conversation that leads to confession, conversion, and commitment. If you read the Gospels, you will see very clearly that Jesus was very limited in how he wanted his name revealed to people. In the Gospel of Mark that we've been looking at on Wednesday mornings, there is this mark in secret throughout the entire book where Jesus would do something significant in someone's life and they wanted to go tell it and Jesus would say, Don't tell. Don't tell now. For the time is not right. But when Jesus found this woman at the well by herself in need of living water, he told her who he was. We know again, as we read in the Gospels, that this is quite significant, that he would reveal himself to a Samaritan woman. This absolute self-assertion by which Jesus identified himself shows how far he was willing to go to give this woman living water. Just as one need not be bound by the heritage of the past, so one need not wait for the hopes of the future. The total sweep of God's purpose from the first patriarchs to the final Messiah was concentrated in Jesus. And Jesus told this woman who he was. On the basis of her brief encounter with Jesus, the woman's witness upon reaching the city was superficial and tentative at best. Her initial testimony was not to the person of Jesus, but to his clairvoyance in discerning the secrets of her heart. Whether that he was more than a man, she could only guess. Her question is better translated, this one couldn't possibly be the Christ, could he? You see, her prejudices also stood in her way. She knew the order of society and she knew that Jesus had been out of order. But it made a difference. Nevertheless, discovery mingled with doubt did prompt others to see for themselves. However defective her witness, it brought the people out of the city to see Jesus. What a large harvest God can grow with a small seed. C.S. Lewis is described as one who fell into grace. But instead of simply entering a monastery, he did worse. He ended up publicly explaining and openly defending his personal God to millions of listeners and readers. Such undignified behavior embarrassed the hierarchy at his college at Oxford and cost Lewis his chance of ever advancing to a higher position on the faculty there. Lewis learned that if you speak about beauty, truth, or goodness and about God as a great spiritual force of some kind, people will remain friendly. But he found that the temperature drops when you discuss a God who gives definite commands, who does definite acts, who has definite ideas and character. You see, Jesus cares about people. And everything else doesn't matter. He cares about giving people a water that will cause them to thirst no more. He shows us that very clearly in his conversation with this woman. Every interesting conversation does not have the dramatic and immediate results of Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well, but there will be some like this one, and that will encourage us to prayerfully develop the art of conversing and witnessing.
Sometimes the sower of the seed gathers in the harvest. Sometimes it germinates and grows and another will reap the harvest. But we keep on sowing. But in order to sow, we have to be willing. There are people in need all around us. People who are ashamed and embarrassed and people who are looking for something to bring to them peace in their lives. A water that will cause them never to thirst for those things again. And we have it. If we're only willing to give it. But we have to look up from our phones and our iPads, and our computers in order to see people. We hide behind those instruments and they keep us from encountering the needs of people. When, Courtney, when Janet gives Courtney and I permission, we go to lunch sometimes. The other day she went to have her hair done and so Courtney and I went to lunch. It was Tuesday, so you'll find me at Gus's for the $6 cheeseburger. Courtney and I go to lunch sometimes, particularly in the summer when she's out of school and um, she knows I'm going for a $6 cheeseburger. But we have this little thing going that if we start looking at our cell phones, we will go to the restaurant, order what we're we're going to do, chit-chat a little bit, but then we're looking at our phones. And Courtney has made me self-conscious about doing that, and I, her, because if somebody starts doing that, the next word out of the other person's mouth is, I'm sorry I'm so boring that you have to look at your phone. And you know she's right. We should care about the person who is in front of us. And what's going on in their life. Because that's where we are. And that's where God can use us at that moment. Jesus was tired and many of us are tired. But Jesus was never too tired. To meet a person's need. And neither should we be. We rejoice that this woman not only believed Jesus herself. But became a sincere and able witness in bringing others to Jesus. We have water. And that water makes a difference. But we have to be willing to share it in order for others to hear. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for these words in the Gospel of John. For they show us very clearly how far Jesus is willing to go. To bring to us hope and assurance. May we father also be willing. To see the needs that are before us. And to do what we can do. To meet those needs. Beginning with the spiritual. Help us father. To apply these words to our lives. As we look at this woman and as we look at ourselves. We know that there are great needs and Jesus is the answer. Help us, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. One of the songs that we sang in our first service is that Jesus is a chain breaker. There are always chains that hold us, but Jesus can break those chains. This woman obviously had chains, didn't she, that were holding her down. Chains in the past. And Jesus found a way to change her life. He changed your life. 
He's asking you to change others. He's asking us to have our cup filled to overflowing so that others can hear and see. Our hymn of invitation is number 631. Fill my cup, Lord. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. John 6, 35. The invitation is open to anyone who'd receive this cup from our Lord. The invitation is open to anyone who would commit themselves to being a witness for Christ. Whatever you, des- you desire, as we stand and sing hymn number 631. sermon on the woman at the well and not sing that song, can we? Uh, that's certainly the song that goes with those verses. And I'm grateful you've been here today. I hope that you will uh, pray for our Bible school. If you can't attend, invite someone to come. Remember, there is a class for adults, uh, and we will meet in the John Bryant room beginning at 6.30. So if you can come, if you can't come every night, come when you can. That's the main thing, because we're going to do something different. If you remember there, a while back, there was a series on television called AD, and uh, I'm using that premise for our look at Acts. Uh, we're not going to look at the, the uh, TV show. We're going to do a synopsis of that and go get into the scripture around it and some background information, so I hope that you will enjoy that. There is a class for every child age 3 through 5th grade, and so I hope that... Uh, we, as we begin tonight, that you will be in prayer, that we'll have a good week where lots of things will be learned and that everyone will remain safe. So I'm grateful that you've made this time a part of your time today as we've come together to worship in the name of our Lord. Let's bow for a benediction. Oh Lord, as we depart, we pray that you will fill our cups to overflowing so that we can share the good news that comes to us through your mercy and through your grace. We're thankful, Father, that Jesus loves people. 
And he cares for us as individuals. And so, Father, as we journey through life, let us look at one another as children of God, recognizing that everyone needs to have the opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them and that he gives them salvation through his death and resurrection. Bless us as we depart on the day that you've given to us, rejoicing forevermore in the love of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.